0: Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Coming out of my uh, several days being away, I've got several days of podcasts coming up for you, and as promised, going to stick with some of the positives, though I know there's been overwhelming negatives. You don't need me to read the box scores at you, and you don't need me to tell you for the 100th or thousandth time that the pitching has been bad though I am going to do a deep dive on the most pressing and serious issues facing this team and and especially try to separate out the ones that I think are most frustrating to watch right now you know that are just n- not good baseball from the ones that are long-term issues because those are Obviously, what we're going to be a little bit more concerned about here with our conversations, right? As as bad as certain things may be in the immediate, if they're going to be non-factors in 2024, there's a limit to the amount of frustration it's going to cause. Uh, at least I, I feel like for me and for in, in this corner of things, right? So we will talk about all that, and I'll try to do some diagnosis there. But as I mentioned yesterday, I wanted to dive in here and have this conversation about Elias Diaz and Ryan McMahon, the Colorado Rockies two all-star candidates. Well, actually, let me begin with a, a caveat, right? And An honorable mention here. I do feel like it's worth pointing out that Kyle Freeland has quietly been very solid. And I know that very solid is not typically, you know, what you think of uh, when, when you're talking about all stars. Obviously, uh, you know, part of this whole conversation is going to be the Rockies are likely to only get one. Uh, th- this is one of those weird things that I- I've always thought about. You know, it, it, throughout this has always been true, at least as long as I've been alive and and following the game of baseball. That teams that are you know have really really bad records you know, won't get more than one all-star. And oftentimes teams that are good or, or were really good last year, there was a, a famous all-star voting, I don't know if you want to call it scandal, but certainly a conversation the year after the Royals won the World Series and all their fans were so excited that the next year, like every single one of their starters was leading an all-star vote uh, getting. And it's like, okay, yeah. So, so teams that are doing well and fan bases that are energized and excited, right? Because of course, there are a lot of Rockies fans out there who, Maybe any other day would be listening to this show and aren't because the team has been so frustrated or any number of other things that they're they're doing. They're just not especially excited about the Rockies right now. So they're not going down to the ballpark and filling out their all-star ballots. All of it, right? They're not hopping on their computers. They're not going to vote as often. So it, there's a lot of reasons why this happen, happens, I should say. But it, it does seem to kind of breed the narrative that bad teams only deserve one all-star and I'll hear people on television or radio basically say, well, the club's you know in last place, so they shouldn't get more than one. And that's always just been kind of strange to me. You can be a really good baseball team and not have a ton of all-stars, just have a lot of good above average players. And opposite, right? You can be a really bad team and have two or three all-stars on your team. Just the rest of the team be Awful. It's a lot of times throughout Rocky's history been that way and they end up with just one in the game because they they end up taking each other's votes. Right. So that's where I think a lot of this will go down. Only one of these guys will make the team because of the Rockies' record. And I'm not necessarily saying, like, there's some time for this to play out. I'm not calling any of these a snub yet. We haven't gotten there, right? So right now we're making the case uh, with a little bit of time left in, in voting, and they've got a little bit of time left to pad their statistics. But this is also just a conversation about w- who will be the Rockies' representative because it may actually be the case this year that that none of these guys would be all-stars you know, otherwise. But... Freeland is sitting there with the 110 ERA plus, a 454 ERA just isn't going to get you into an all-star game. It's an uphill battle enough for Rockies pitchers. But to me, it's worth noting just because the rest of the starting pitching has been so bad so often, Uh, so up and down. Yes, you've had your good moments here and there from guys, but it's really been Kyle Freeland and then hope and pray, right? <laughs> and and so it's at the very least, I think, worth noting that, uh, you know, he, it wouldn't be egregious if a manager were to decide actually from the Rockies, rather than taking one of these hitters who's having a pretty nice but not overwhelming season. I'll go with the pitcher. I'll go with the Colorado guy, uh, the guy who probably, or in fact, should have been an all-star in 2018 and wasn't. Right, A guy who should have finished second in Cy Young voting that year, but finished fourth. He's been through the ringer. Maybe it'd be cool to see Kyle Freeland get that call, especially if he does put together another couple of really nice starts. And I do think if you contextualize it, you're like, man, that is fairly impressive. But let's go to the two guys who I think actually have the most legitimate chance. Now, Elias Diaz, let's start with him. He has cooled off a little bit. And if you look at all the statistics, I'll tell you right now up front, his statistical case is slightly less compelling than Ryan McMahon's, so I'll give you the number. He's uh, he's hitting 286 on basing 384, uh, slugging 465. So an OPS of 808. That's pretty good. Now OPS plus WRC plus things like that are gonna hurt him a bit. So 109 on the OPS plus, 104 on the WRC plus. As I've talked about before, these are the kinds of smaller sample size over adjusting for course field things that really hurt these guys when it comes to all-star conversations. Of course it's not including in there the fact that Elias Diaz has throughout the season been among the best hitters with runners in scoring position. He's got 41 RBI on the season. This is exactly the kind of case which is why I get frustrated when people completely ignore RBI, because for me, for the all-star game, it shouldn't be about projecting into the future. And I'm not right. This conversation isn't about signing Elias Diaz for a contract in the future. Though, by the way, we need to have that conversation. And and so do the Rockies. Actually, they need to have that conversation. We just really should have that conversation. Uh, But for me, whether or not you belong in the all-star game has to do with how well you have performed this year. And so things like RBI and even batting average matter. Just because they may not be sustainable, I don't care if they're sustainable. I care what you've done to this point. And what he's done to this point is create quite a bit of offense. 41 ribbies in 70 games for a catcher is damned impressive. Now, the defensive statistics on catchers are bananas there's just uh this is a whole other rant for another time the mini version of it is i don't think our catching statistics for defense even really come that close to measuring the value of a defender there are certain things that we can measure like base runner thrown out stealing percentage stuff like that where diaz has been near the top of the the leaderboards all season we do have things like zone ratings and defensive war and defensive runs saved for catchers. And a lot of times it comes close to matching up with the eye test, but even there, as long as framing is still a thing, that's a massive defensive thing that catchers do calling a game, working with pitchers, studying opposing lineups. Uh, sometimes the most important moment of a game is the sign that a catcher chooses to put down. And that is, You know, we just don't have a statistic for that. Now, it's hard to give Diaz a ton of credit for like say calling great game. The Rockies are getting crushed. Now it's not his fault. He he can put all the signs down that he wants, and he can't make some of these guys major league caliber pitchers. There is only so much he can do, right? But I do think that when you kinda step back and look at it from the standpoint of Elias Diaz has been one of the better hitting catchers in the league and one of the better defending catchers for as best as we can tell uh, without diving too much into the nuance there then yeah I think he belongs in the all-star game as we've talked about before it would be the only time the Rockies have had a catcher in the all-star game and I will say now even before we get to the second half of it I guess I'll give you my prediction and, and say again at the end But I do think he'll probably not end up getting there. You've got, you know, Real Muto in the picture, whose offensive, whose, you know, raw offensive numbers aren't as good, but the weighted ones are better. He's obviously always a defensive darling as well. Uh, Though, in terms of wins above replacement, they're essentially tied. Elias Diaz with one win on fan graphs, Uh, JT Real Muto with 1.1. And then the rest of the catchers above them are all in the American League, except for Will Smith for the Dodgers, who's going to be the starter unless something wild happens, because he's having an absolutely crazy year at the plate. He's walking more than he's striking out at 15.2%, striking out 14%. Uh, The batting average, 286. On basing, 400. He's hit 12 homers. The WRC Plus on him, 149. So you're not competing with Will Smith. There's some interesting competition in the American League with Jonah Heim, uh, William Contreras, Adley Rutschman, and uh, Cal Raleigh up in uh, Seattle. But for that next spot in the National League, it really is between Real Muto and Diaz, and I assume that Real Muto will get that spot because he's JT Real Muto. And again, it wouldn't be illegitimate, right? But there's that always that thing where you look in the rocky stuff. If if it's a tie, it goes to the non-rockies player. That that happens a lot. But Diaz belongs in that conversation. That's super fun and cool. Maybe he can have a, a strong, you know, couple of weeks here. Maybe he pulls his batting average up over 290, which is which will get some certain, you know, traditionally minded voters attention. Maybe he hits another couple of home runs, getting himself into double digits. So I, I think a, you know, he's got forty one ribbies to Real Muto's twenty eight. Seventy games played, sixty nine games played, right? And again, I know people will say, well, oh, RBI doesn't necessarily mean anything. In a shorter sample size, when we're just talking about what you've produced this season, yes, it does. And Diaz has been producing this season. In fact, he's got that many more RBI on a team that has no offense and a very, very bad offensive team for him to still be producing uh, that amount. There's only one catcher on this list with more ribbies, and it's Jonah Heim. He's, uh, will Smith and Elias Diaz are actually tied despite all those peripherals that Smith has, the higher batting average on base, slugging the homers, all of it, 41 ribbies to 41 ribbies. Uh, So, yeah, Diaz belongs in the conversation. I feel he will fall short because Ryan McMahon is having a slightly better season and has been better as of late. Uh, Again, I'll throw the numbers at you. The batting average, not great, but climbing. And, again, if he continues how he has been, Uh, lately you can probably get it up over 270 at least, but it's at 264 now, the on-base 348. You like seeing a big, nice jump there. The 482 slugging, the 12 homers. He also has 41 ribbies, though more games played, 78, and has a 114 OPS plus. Uh, And so a little bit better than... Diaz kind of across the board there except that Diaz has made better use of his RBI opportunities right he's been much more efficient in in getting his but beyond that McMahon and then because defense at third base is easier to measure or or, or I should say we're better at it maybe I don't know if it's easier his wins above replacement numbers because McMahon has, has been a DRS darling ever since he took over the job for Nolan Arenado, right and since he's moved back to third base, he's just gone again, bananas on this thing. So he's already put up two and a half wins on the season, according to baseball reference, at 1.6 on Fangraphs because Fangraphs doesn't rate uh, defense as important. It's kind of a big jump and another one of those conversations for another time. But so this becomes kind of a question about how much will voters value defense? You know, is that a thing because on fan graphs, for example, like I said, where Ryan McMahon's at a 1.6 because it isn't valued as highly, there are a decent number of third basemen in front of him, though, just looking at it right now. Those are all in the American League, but you've got Austin Riley right there tied with him and you've got Spencer Steer, who's having a really fun year for Cincinnati and Max Muncie, basically right on their heels with Nolan Arenado tied with those guys. And Cabrian Hayes, right behind them. Manny Machado, right behind them. So a big cluster of guys at essentially one win to 1.2 wins. McMahon's only a little bit out in front because of the defense. Uh, He has a lower WRC plus than all of those guys that I just mentioned. Right. Uh, by the way, for those of you that have been following it, I don't know why I haven't been watching uh, the Cardinals super closely, but Nolan's defensive numbers are really bad. He has a negative defensive war this season, a negative defensive run saved, which has never happened for him before. So I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, it, it'll be really fascinating to see. You know, McMahon's still striking out at 30%. Right, He still has that part of his game. If he has a bad week, his OPS plus could drop down to league average. But if he has a good week, it, it could bump up to 120 and he could be right there. And we're saying the same thing where he's close to among the elite hitters at third base. And he's been right there with Cabrian Hayes as the most elite defenders at third base. And so, yeah, that guy should be an all star. Right. But if the bat if he slumps at the worst time going into it as people are voting, right? He, he's he been hot. Like I said, it's been the good thing. But I think that's basically what will decide it. If Ryan McMahon can stay hot and hit a couple more home runs in the next few games over the next week or so, uh, he'll probably get himself into the game. I've been predicting for a long time that Ryan McMahon would be ultimately an all-star. I think a lot of people will find this to be a weird one. And a, and a lot of people may end up, you know, kind of trashing on the the decision a little bit if his overall offensive numbers are still not that impressive. Uh I feel a little bit like a broken record on this one, but this guy never gets enough credit for the insane defense that he plays and that he can play it to actually three different positions. They just don't need him at first. But that's what it's going to come down to, interestingly enough. And it's for both players where the defense like really should be a separating factor. But in the case of Diaz, we don't really have the evidence to to make the case. Right? His de- defensive numbers are fine, but ultimately his wins above and all of that put him right in line with everybody else. Whereas McMahon, we have better evidence for it. The question is just... Will that matter to people? You know, it's a it, new dawn, new day. I know that. But putting a third baseman into the all-star game because his defense is phenomenal. It's just for old baseball heads, it's a weird thing, right? Is it like it used to? It was the, that's a power position. You want a guy there who's going to hit 35 home runs and who cares about his defense, right? And that's not the way baseball is really played anymore. But, you know, McMahon might break that gold glove streak this year. We'll see. That's a, again, another conversation for another time. But, Both guys have been plus-plus players on offense and on defense, despite the fact that the Rockies have been really bad. I do believe that both of them belong in the All-Star game on that merit. I also think that there's more value that we don't typically measure in that, especially at catcher, right? So it's one thing to have wins above replacement, try to uh, calculate for these things and it does. There are some mechanisms that try to take it into account. But sometimes you just got to look at that season and say, okay, how many catchers have actually been above average offensively and defensively, right? Because it's one thing to say you've got a ton of wins above replacement because you're hitting all these home runs and you're driving in all these runs. But if you're also a liability on defense, that's you know something that your manager and your team and whatever else has to account for, right? I think the best case for both McMahon and Diaz is that there's no part of their game where they're costing their team right now. There's no downside to having them in the lineup every day. You're getting well above average to elite defense with Ryan McMahon especially. And right now, really good, power-driven, timely offense. And so, yeah. Who do you think will get in? I I'm leaning McMahon at this point. Uh, I think it would be really interesting to see if this thing start. If McMahon makes the game and Arenado doesn't, there's more competition at third base. I guess I hadn't really talked about that when I was just talking about their individual cases. Just looking around the league, uh, while McMahon has, according to these numbers, a lead on all of these guys you're not just contending with their numbers, you're contending with their names, and guys like Nolan Arenado are, of course, going to get a certain amount of sort support for All-Star Games. And so it may actually just end up coming down to that. Where is the stiffer competition? And if they end up deciding, well, we want to take, you know, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, uh, and then also the guys who are performing statistically better than them, it might be too many third basemen for them to take. And then, boom, you end up with Elias Diaz in the game. Or do they decide to take three catchers? Do they decide Will Smith, uh, Elias Diaz, and JT Real Muto uh, can all be in the game? And, you know, so that'll be interesting. But I really I really don't know leaning toward McMahon. I'd love to see them both make it. But it's not that kind of year. I say go out and vote for both. Go out and support both. Uh, make the case. Throw it out there. It, it shouldn't really have anything to do with the team it should be about the individual players and how they rank at their position in my mind and i think both players have compelling cases to be in the midsummer classic so let me know what you think about that uh what other if you want to hear me talk about other all-star game you know uh matchups i guess i I can do that obviously we want to keep it rockies related here for the most part though around the all-star games and stuff we we do get a little bit more fluid but still Let me know what you think of all that stuff, who you think belongs in the All-Star game, who you're excited to watch from other teams this year, and all that stuff. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up in the Discord. You can always slide into the DMs on Twitter and ask me about the Discord. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball.